0: Fast Forward Productions, the women are speaking. What's up guys? Welcome back to the one broke actress podcast, an honest account of actor life. Plus a few lessons I learned in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine. And today is episode 10 of season 10. And today we have a perfect callback episode to wrap up this year with now a couple of things, some little housekeeping notes for you guys. One, If you guys have not rated and reviewed the podcast, could you please do me a huge favor? Open your podcast app, go to rate and review, and just drop us a quick review because I think our last review was like months ago, probably because I forget to ask. And so I'm putting the reminder in there now. If you are looking for gifts to give people for Christmas, what I would like is a podcast review. If you are listening on Spotify, I would love if you would just tap those five stars. It makes a huge difference to the podcast, you guys, because then it is dropped in other people's algorithms. It's kind of like commenting and sharing an Instagram post. And it really does move the needle in the podcast world. And my goal is to do more podcast episodes sooner for you guys. So if you could rate and review the podcast, it will give us better chances of having more potential people on the podcast and more potential episodes for you. So help me help you drop a rate and review on the podcast. I would sincerely appreciate it. It is the Christmas present from you to me, but Speaking of Christmas presents, today's guest is a throwback guest from season four, episode two, where he opened up about his writing and directing world. Ladies and gentlemen, Rawson Thurber is back on the One Broke Actress podcast. In 2019, we ended the podcast talking about a movie he was working on called Red Notice. And since then, that movie has not only topped the charts of Netflix as the number one movie they've ever had, but it also now has two... Two sequels in the works. <laughs> like, can Rawson do anything partially? I think not. In between working on these movies and the Dungeons and Dragons pilot and the Voltron film, Rawson is also busy as a father of three and a husband to his wife, Sarah. And this year he went super viral for getting in incredible shape and sharing his journey about it. So I want to know how he handles such a busy work life, family life, and health, and does it all at the same time. I want to know how he rests and relaxes, how he picks his actors for his films that make them possible so that he can have the lifestyle he has why he works with the same actors i asked him how he feels about self-tape auditions versus real auditions how he feels about hard work versus luck versus talent and so much more you guys are going to love this episode and i think it's the perfect final guest episode of this season like i said i will be back next week with one more episode before we wrap for the year but ladies and gentlemen without further ado please enjoy ross and thurber funny thing was, I just listened to your old podcast, which is circa season four of this podcast, and we're on season 10. So... Oh my God. Congratulations. We made it really far. And the best thing is at the end of the episode, I ask you, like, what are you working on? You're like, I'm writing this movie right now. It's called Red Notice. And now, (laughs) according to IMDb, you also might be writing a sequel. And it was like the most successful movie on Netflix. How's that sitting with you?
1: You know, it's better than the other way. I can say that. Um, no, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Yeah, to be number one on the Netflix platform is, is stunning and thrilling. And I love it. You know, I'm working on, on two sequels, Red Notice 2 and 3. I finished writing the second one. I just have some note cards up here. I'm breaking the third one. Right now, over my shoulder for anybody viewing. Yeah, we're going to hopefully shoot two and three back to back and then get them out into the world. But yeah, oh, I just yeah. it was a it was a long haul on Red Notice. We started shooting and then the, I, I don't know if you heard there's a pandemic that uh, occurred.
0: No. Uh, what happened?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of masks, a lot of uh, a lot of angry people. Um, and we had to shut down.
0: I heard it's super conducive to budgets and filming as well. I can't (laughs) even talk about it. It was a nightmare.
1: But we, it hit us about halfway through the shoot on Red Notice. I mean, almost to the day. And so we shut down completely for six months and then had to come back and finish shooting, you know, a movie of of, of this size or that size with no vaccine and and nobody had really done it uh, Mm at that scale before. So we had to sort of invent Protocols and figure it out. And that's just the actual, like, how do you keep people safe on set, right? And then the other part was, all right, so how do we do this creatively? We were two weeks from going to Italy and starting our world tour shooting around the globe. And now we couldn't leave Atlanta. In fact, we couldn't leave the Atlanta Metro studio sound stages. So all of Red Notice were shot were shot on stage or on the back lot in Atlanta.
0: Oh, wait, I had no idea.
1: No, thank you. No, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> we, we went.
0: Yeah. Cause I remember that was, that was something we talked about as you were like, yeah, it takes place like all over the country. And I was like, are you just writing movies that you want to travel with? And you were like, yeah, it sounds yeah, fun. Sure. And you shot it all in Atlanta. Yes.
1: My wife was very disappointed. <laughs> Red Notice started when she's like, can you write something for you know a place where we'd want to go on vacation? And it was like exterior Rome day. And then, you know, ha ha, we never left Atlanta and the movie yeah. stars never set foot outside of outside of the state of Georgia. And, and then we shot a little bit, like like a very narrow splinter unit in Rome for a couple of days to shoot exteriors and plates. And that was wow. it. And then it just took a lot of time and effort in, in that editorial to kind of get it to match up and look right. Like, so there, for instance, in Red Notice, there's a dance sequence in a big ballroom where everyone's masquerade ball but we couldn't have that many people in the same space. So we had to do everything in layers. So when Dwayne and Gal are dancing together, they're dancing in an empty room and then wow. we do doing a, a, another layer of, of crowd and then another, because you, there was a limit on the number of people in a space, the amount, the, big, mm-hmm. the size of the space, et cetera. And so it, I liken it to like, you know, when you're doing work on your house and you've got to pay, you know, a shit ton of money for the foundation and you're like, I can't believe this is going to cost as much as everything else and no one's ever going to see it yeah. right and it's so it's a you know hideously expensive way to make a movie and also people never know that we had to make it that way it was really trying and it was also really inspiring i think because one of the many things i learned making a movie during the pandemic was just yeah. the resilience of the film community and the ingenuity of the film community to kind of figure out a problem that nobody had figured out before uh, in, in, a, in a real sense, and that we managed to do it, and that nobody, it was never a question of like if we could, but how we would. And I was just very inspired by our crew,
0: frankly. That's like summer camp creativity where you have like a pencil and a duct tape, <laughs> and they're like, build a bridge. You know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. like that's what everyone yeah, yeah, did yeah. in COVID.
1: <laughs> you know, that and banana bread, I guess, and a Peloton. So, there you yes,
0: go. yes. Uh, it, all, it worked out for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> Does that change how you look at other projects? Because does everything seem easier than what you guys got done before?
1: Oh, gosh, what a good question. No, they all seem hard. I guess what it what it means to me is like, and maybe, maybe my answer to your question is yes, now that I think about it, because no matter what I have to do next, it's not going to be that. It's unlikely that a global pandemic will strike in the middle of my next production and do the same thing. And if we can figure out how to solve this puzzle and I'm sure we can figure out other things, but they, but that doesn't mean they seem easier to me. It just means that no matter what comes, we'll soldier on.
0: Yeah. I mean, something we talked about on your original podcast was how we all get like that, like shiny object syndrome about like, Oh, you're on something, but then there's like an idea. It's like, Oh, that thing looks like way better. I'm sure everything Mm -hmm. looked better than COVID.
1: Oh my gosh. Anything and everything. And you know, and you get in the dog days of, of a COVID shoot, you know, and you're just, so the hardest part for me, and and I'm not trying to bum out your listeners and we can move on to brighter pastures, but essentially when we, when we went back to shoot an NBA quarantine situation, right? So everybody was isolated together in these hotel rooms and these hotels that we bought out and they would drive themselves to set and whatever. I was not allowed to be in those hotels that we, that we ran out because if there was an outbreak and I was connected in some way, they couldn't risk losing me from set. So I was isolated further still. So I had my own little two-bedroom kind of triplex mm-hmm. floor by myself. I would go to work, drive myself to work, drive myself back, Not you know, no physical contact of any kind. My family was here in Los Angeles, and I was in Atlanta for 90 straight days. It was really tough. It was 90 straight days of no physical contact, Just work, no socialization, really, of any kind, except for when I'm on set. And then there was not only the pandemic happening, like unfolding during that time, getting worse, getting better, vaccines not even there. But then there was also the 2020 election, which was incredibly tense. And especially in, in Georgia, it was incredibly narrow. And so there were all of these pressures. And then, on top of that, I was sort of writing and directing a very expensive movie with, you know, some, you know, big, big fancy movie stars and trying to keep that clear in my mind. It was a real crucible. Okay. Like, uh, it was, I think, about as, as close as I've ever come to kind of cracking, but at least now I know what it, what it, what it takes, right? <laughs> like it's global pandemic and 90 days of isolation and no physical contact and democracy hanging in the balance. Yeah. <laughs> Future of your country. And then I and was an just election like, that's,
0: yeah, <laughs> you're right. I think you're safe from having to do that again. Yeah. I'm super curious what you did for your mental health during those kind of times, because a lot of actors have done those like quarantine things. And I, I'm just curious how you take care of yourself when you're on, only have work to lean on. Oh, that
1: That's an excellent question, Sam. I wish I had a good answer. You know, I think mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in schedule and routine. So I had a pretty clean, clear schedule and routine. I'll say that the work it was my fuel, was my it was my focus. And so I think it would have been a lot harder for me if it was 90 Days Isolation as as, as an actor or as even, even a dolly grip or, or not that those roles are not important. Of course they are. But as someone who is in charge of the entire thing and of writing it and of directing it, that was all consuming. And so yeah. I didn't really have anything outside of the occasional 49er game that I would watch or the video game that I would play with the other, you know, with my buddies or something. That was kind of an outlet. And then of course, every, every morning, every night I would call my family. I would set a video. And then I took, I don't think I've told anybody this. I had a, there was a, a door, like a closet door in the pantry door in the kitchen. And when I got there, I wrote uh, <laughs> on post-its. I wrote the numbers 90 to one, on the door. And every day I would pull one off every morning to see how much closer I was getting to, to see my, my kids, and my wife. And it started as a great thing. Every morning I'd shoot a video with my kids like, Hey, I'm taking mm-hmm. off another number. And then they started to cry because there were so many numbers. <laughs> and so then I stopped showing them that, but I still did it for myself. So, you know, it's, it's little, you know, you're doing hard time mm-hmm. uh, in some sense, right? So you're putting little notches in the, you know, little chalk marks on the, on the, on the cinderplot wall.
0: Yeah. I mean it goes to show too like how we can get so myopic in this work and like the thing that really matters is like everything else sometimes. For
1: sure. The work is yeah, it, you know, is deeply rewarding, but it's ultimately hollow if you don't have a life or people to share it with, you know, or people you're doing it for. I, I don't think that I'm, you know, I'm not writing dick jokes for my family. <laughs> um I, I'm 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 I'm, I'm writing them because they make me laugh and I hope they make other people laugh. And I happen to love my job and hope to do it for some time. But I think that being, being a father and being a husband and having a family is, you know, it's, it's the greatest thing ever. It's no surprise to anybody who's fortunate enough to have them.
0: Long shoots are something I think, especially in different locations are something that we're seeing, I think indefinitely. Right. Just because, things are like getting, especially if you're, for example, talking about shooting two movies back to back, for example, if that's going to happen, I'm seeing shows doing it left and right where they pick up a second season while they're filming the first. If you don't mind me asking a little personally, like how do you maintain good communication in a relationship when you do have like a job that takes you away for such long periods of time? Cause that's something that's very true for actors too.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, it's, that's the hardest, hardest thing being away on location from your family. <laughs> I've been fortunate that um, I've got three littles. My eldest is about six and a half and five. Year old and an almost three year old, so we've got little littles. And but I've mm. been with my wife for, depending on who you believe, uh, you know, uh, eight, eight, eight to twelve years. And eight to
0: twelve I, is such I, a I, big I know, I'm, jo- I'm
1: joking. I'm joking. We've been, to- we've been together since <laughs> I think oh nine, and it doesn't matter the point is that okay. we've been together. She's been with me on location. You know, she was with me when we made Where the Millers, and when we made, I made Central Intelligence, mm. and we had our first already born when we made Skyscraper and then oh she, they were all with me in Atlanta for red notice. In fact, when we made Skyscraper, my wife went into labor with our second child and she was in Los Angeles and I couldn't get back in time because she went into labor at like 8.45 and the last flight was 8.15. And then Dwayne Johnson, because he's the fucking coolest was like calling his plane he's like i'm gonna get you there brother and he had it all lined up but the faa wouldn't let the pilots fly because they'd just flown in he had me hooked up and so i missed the birth of my second child by a couple hours and that was a devastating course uh and then my son mccallan who is like i said is almost three he was born in atlanta while we were shooting red notice and he was born January 29th, or just right before the world shut down. Sarah went into labor on an off day. Thank gosh. He was born, and I missed a half a day of shooting, and I was back on set, and then I reshot everything they shot. <laughs> 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 it's not, it's not, that's probably not the best story for me. But sorry, your question about. <laughs> I, uh, the, the, so I've been fortunate that my wife and family have been with me, and I know most people don't mm-hmm. have that luxury who are on location. And I think that one thing that I've found that's been really helpful. It's a, it's a consistency of communication. Like I think the day-to-day thing is really important. So like, it's like saving it up for like, Hey, let's talk Sunday. Like you're so tired by Sunday, you know, you might've forgotten stuff. And I think part of it is when my wife was mm-hmm. away, I would send her videos. We started using, there's an app called Marco Polo. We send each other little Marco Polos of just like your, your day-to-day life, the detritus of daily living, even if it was 10 seconds or mm-hmm. little texts or, you know, just like that stuff. And my wife knew and she's fantastic in this, in this space. And she knew she was sort of, it's like being married to a merchant Marine, you know, you just you just kind of the life and ship out, ship out. So it's not easy, but I think, I think if you can have a consistency of communication or a routine of talking to each other, even if you're not able to actually speak what, to leave each other messages so that you can have that ping pong back and forth and you can feel like you're in that person's life a little bit. I think that that's, that would be my best advice.
0: Yeah. I think the mundane stuff is actually almost the most important. Like I think, cause then you don't feel like you live in separate worlds. It's like, yeah, I'm yeah. having this sandwich again. Cause you see me have it every Tuesday. And like, then it's yeah, like, yeah. it's like a sharing instead of like a, well, this is where I am and this is where you are. That's really nice. Well, I have to ask you because, you know, now when you Google you that it all, it comes up is pictures of you just like absolutely jacked and fit and because you did all those <laughs> articles. <that> <laughs> yes. Yeah. You should Google yourself. The first line of photos <sighs> is just like you looking like a movie star. Um, oh my God. <laughs> and so I think correctly, if I read this correctly, that you spent time while on set, like doubling down on getting in shape. Is that accurate and if so how the fuck did you have time for that
1: no totally inaccurate okay. you can't do that it's impossible after my wife
0: yeah i was like how did he walk by craft services every day what are no, you
1: talking no 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 well I'm a, I'm a pretty simple just personally just a pretty simple machine when it comes to food like i don't I, i'm not I like a labrador retriever like i'm not food focused. I don't care about it. I, if I could take a pill in the morning and never have to eat, I would like, it's not a, a source of, uh. I'm not interested in it. That's that's not to say I don't like a good slice of pizza or donut or whatever, but I don't, my brain doesn't work like that. And I'll forget to eat. Oftentimes my stomach will start hurting and I'm like, what? Oh, mm-hmm. what is that? Oh, hunger. Yes. Like you should, I should chew something. And then that will stop. <laughs> in terms of the, the fitness stuff that was after Sarah uh, had our, had our son, we both wanted to get into, into shape. Mm -hmm. together. We decided to go on this sort of holistic kind of fitness journey. So not just in the gym, but all the medical workup stuff, all the, all the stuff, all that kind of stuff, right? Like I became a father later in my life. One of the commitments I wanted to Mm -hmm. make to myself and to my kids was to be a vibrant part of their life into my late seventies and eighties, if not longer. And so I, that work needs to start now. Certainly there's short-term vanity goals, right? Of wanting to, you know, look at my shirt off. That only gets you so far. For me, it was really about trying to change my health and fitness. And so Sarah and I, our friend Kumail Nanjani, who this incredible physical transformation, I reached out to Kumail and I said, hey, who's your guy? And he introduced us to Grant Roberts of Grant Mm -hmm. Fitness and Grant Roberts is an incredible trainer. All he does is turn people into superheroes. And so we met with Grant and he was amazing. And Sarah and I just went after it. And it was so fun to have a shared kind of goal with my wife. Mm -hmm. That was my favorite part. My favorite part was driving to the gym with her and driving back from the gym and working out with her like that. Mm -hmm. Like I like the workout part, of course, but getting to just work work at building something together. If you saw her pictures, hers blow mine out of the water.
0: I think I saw them on your Instagram. She looks... Amazing
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. So at any rate, I, I did all this work, and you know and it, it was there was it was a year. It was a, a solid year of really consistent diet and exercise, not crazy diet, but diet and exercise. And I was really nervous. I, uh, so men's health was like, hey, we'll do this thing and I had this photo shoot, and like I was not sure I was gonna do it. Like I was like, I'm <laughs> a, I paid for the photographer. Like I paid I, the the Riker brothers shot it, Sam. You know yeah, the Riker brothers? Yeah,
0: yeah, It looks fantastic. Right. Yeah, so yeah,
1: I, yeah. I asked them to shoot it. I told Men's Health, like, I'm going to pay for the photographer. I'm going to look at the pictures. I'll decide if this thing ever sees the light of day.
0: And they're the perfect guys because they were the Abercrombie models. Like they're they're per- and they're the best.
1: That, they're the best they're the best and so i I got the pictures from them it's like i'm like i can't i don't know why would i ever put this in the world and then i hang out with dwayne the rock johnson you know we're friends and i was just like i just need your advice man like i don't can i show you these pictures and you should just tell me if i Uh because i think this might be a really bad idea and he's like yeah brother what, what, what do you mean pictures like you know you know what i was talking about and then i like showed him some of the pictures you know dwayne is someone who you know, it's incredibly fit. He knows what it takes, right? To, to get to a certain physical form. And it was really because he urged me, he's like, this is great work and you should be proud of this and, and fuck anybody who who hates on it. And if you're proud of it and they want to do it, I think you should go for it. And that was really, I think, the, the last little push that I needed. And then, of course, my friends have mercilessly mocked me. Uh, so it's, um, <laughs> what are know, friends for? <laughs> oh, my God, just, you know, show, show your show your boobs to the entire world. It's, uh, you know, you can never this Internet's forever, Sam. And so there are there are a few there are more than more than once. Do I I don't know if I've quite regretted the choice, but there's been a, a wince or two. If I'm being honest. where I'm like, yeah. So
0: that's a, that's a long answer. Oh, man, but it would have been so great if it was like your flag football team though. They would have like put it on a trophy uh, or something yeah. or like
1: yeah, that would have been that would have that um, would have made it worth it. I flag football I miss, I miss
0: Yeah. I know. I know. I actually wanted to ask you because you said earlier you mentioned earlier like playing a video game like with your friends while you were in quarantine and stuff. You are so busy. So my first question is do you have downtime? And then what do you do in your downtime? Is there things you do to like relax or play? Because a lot of stuff you're doing is like, you're not doing a lot of small budget things these days, sir. <laughs> not, not
1: so far. <laughs> Give me time. Give me time. I'll get there. Yeah, of course. You need it. It's incredibly important to have that downtime. As you say, there are two things that I do. So I have, like I say, I have three little kids. So a lot of my time where I'm not working or reading is spent trying to be present and be a father as best I can. I don't always succeed. and I often fail but I try to be there. I'm there in the morning with my kids. Mm-hmm. I take them to school. I kiss them, you know, good night at bedtime and, you know, more in between, but you still need time for yourself. Everybody does. And and for me, every Thursday night, I, I play video games with three of my closest buddies. We've been playing a lot of the the division Two, which we really enjoy, but we'll bounce around, but it's, you know, it is three hours, four hours at the outside of time where I it's not, it's non-productive time. Like I'm not thinking, I'm not true doing work. I shouldn't be doing, this is scheduled. This is my time to do this thing. And yes. it really recharges me. So there's that. That's It's a sort of mm-hmm. an inviolate kind of time. It's very, very rare that I break that commitment. It's like a bowling league, right? You're like, you're I'm there. So that's one. Yeah. And then the other one is the gym. We just finished putting a little garage gym here at our house, which has given me a lot more flexibility and being able to go into the gym for an hour Three or four times a week, and not have anything to think about other than focusing on the exercise, breathing hard, working hard, sweating. That's also really restorative and clarative and clarifying. You know, it's the same. I think everybody should have that, whether it's you're hiking, you're walking, your dog, your. But I think a weekly or tri-weekly kind of time that you set for yourself to not be productive and to just unhook your mind, I mean, it's incredibly important. I couldn't survive without it, no no chance.
0: In case you missed it, this year I made an actor gift guide. And in it, I listed a bunch of things I wish it was easier for me to ask for for Christmas. Because you guys know somebody's always like, send me your Christmas list. And you're like, I'm an adult. How do I ask for Christmas presents? Because I just buy something on Amazon if I think of it. So this year I want to direct your attention towards things that will actually move the needle in your acting career. And there is no better gift for an actor than consistent practice and data from casting, to help move our careers forward. And so this holiday season, Castability is offering gift cards at castability.com. Actor. This company, if you have missed my countless work with them thus far, is one of my favorite actor companies right now, and I love their team too. They're great people doing great work, and it's a lot of casting directors and actors involved, which is amazing. So basically, you open the Castability app, you find what's quote-unquote auditioning at this time, you film your self-tapes like you would a real audition, and casting directors, members of CSA, watch it and give you actual rated feedback in different criteria areas. You guys can see at castability.actor how they rate you and how you get these numbers back and how you improve on them over time. And I love what they are doing with the app. By the way, they are giving us a special discount code. So they are offering all of my listeners 10% off their first year with Castability. You can use the 10% off for your monthly ongoing memberships, or you can get even more savings with their new year limited time offer of an annual membership to Castability with two months, four free. We all know January and February, tightest months of the year. Might as well get those two months for free. That's $87 in savings if you commit to practicing your craft with Castability for 2023. The discount code for both of these offers is OBA New Year. That's O-B-A-N-E-W-Y-E-A-R and the offer expires January 31st. So guys, check out their gift cards, check out the discount code, get on castability.actor and start filling your time with quality practice that really really makes a difference. Love this company. Love what they do. Now let's get back to the podcast. Have you had a period where you didn't have something to work on in the past couple of years or is there's like, it seems like there's always been something based on your everything that's been happening.
1: Yeah. I've been really fortunate. I've been working straight for quite some time, <laughs> uh, quite some time. My wife doesn't, my wife just laughs now because I'm just like, this is <laughs> not always going to be like this. This is the last thing. And then, and she's like, uh-huh. It's been a lot, but in a great way. Like I I've recently, like everything that I'm working on right now uh-huh. are things that I absolutely love. Like there's nothing, there's, I'm not working on anything that's, that's a piece of business that I don't believe in. That I didn't love as a boy that I don't love now, that I'm not thrilled to get the opportunity to, 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 to work on. Not that it's been different earlier yeah. in my career, but that's something that I'm just really grateful for now As I feel like I've, I'm in a, a different phase of my career where I'm able to simply work on things that I love and just, and that pays the bills. So I hope everybody gets that opportunity. It's really cool. Cause it's hard enough, right? Like, you know, how hard it is, it's hard enough to, to do all of this. And, and it, I couldn't imagine how much harder it would be if you had to work on something that you thought was shit or you're like, Ugh, this is a paycheck and I just got to do it, you know? And I've had a couple of those jobs mm-hmm. earlier in my career and it was just, I didn't do, you don't do your best work. You're resentful. I don't wish it on anybody. So, so I've been really, really, really busy yes. <laughs> for, a, for a while. And fortunately it looks like I've got a bunch of stuff coming up that's going to keep me busy for a little bit longer and, and then I'm going to retire. <laughs>
0: Sure. Sure. Do you (laughs) you ever feel like there's like a pressure to like, because you like what you're doing, I'm going to guess the answer is no, but do you ever feel like there's a pressure to like ride this wave of like opportunity consistently?
1: Yeah, I think uh, absolutely. I think you want to strike while the iron's hot, make hay while the sun shines, et cetera, et cetera. So I do think at least for me, that's, that's something that I've wanted to take advantage of and use as best I can. But I think there's a difference between being sort of mercenary in that approach of like, mm-hmm. I don't really like this, but I can sell it. Uh, or I don't really like this, but they'll pay me a lot. Like that stuff I don't have in my life. Like when I have any sort of heat or juice or, or anything okay, like that okay. in that space, whatever the term is, I use that to push forward things that I love that I genuinely want to make. Because otherwise you're trapped. Otherwise it's so dangerous to, to go the other way. But if anybody, anybody is you're building a career, mm-hmm. Those moments of kind of where people are interested in what you want to do next are so rare and so fleeting that when you, you know, if you have a, that opportunity and you want a career, you should capitalize, uh, but, but make sure that you're capitalizing and you're using that power for good as opposed to greed. Like you should be doing it for like, I love this thing and they're listening to me right now and here's, and I'm going to tell them why this is good. Cause right now they, they just saw my other thing and they think I'm good. And they're not going to think I'm good tomorrow. They're going to
0: forget. <laughs> they're
1: going to forget. Oh, didn't we Did didn't we talk yeah. about the four phases of the career on, on the last podcast? I think we did.
0: Did we? Remind me. Do, what, what, are right. four, Here what are the, the four want,
1: you, Do you want to know what the four phases of Sam Valentine's career are? Yes. Are you ready? Please. Are you sitting down? Okay. I can yeah. see you're sitting down. The yes. four phases of Sam Valentine's career. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Who is Sam Valentine? Okay. That's phase one. Phase two is get me Sam Valentine phase three, get me the next Sam Valentine. Great. Phase four, who is Sam Valentine? That's it. That's it. That's, that's everybody. That's not just you. That's not just me. That's Buster Keaton. That's Tom Cruise. I mean, eventually, right. That's everybody. Right. So everybody gets forgotten. You will all be forgotten. Yeah. I will be forgotten. Dwayne Johnson will be forgotten. Please don't tell him I said that. <laughs> Everybody. So where you want to live, right, is get me Sam Valentine. That's what you want to stay mm-hmm. in that phase of your career as long as you can. And the get me the next Sam Valentine, it happens either because you priced yourself out of the market, and you you know, or you're too mm-hmm. big, right? Or you've, you've already skipped over that into the fourth phase and you forgot. But that's it, man. It's, it's that. And so because we know that those are the four phases of everybody's career, this career, this business of show, as they say, is fundamentally hollow. Like you will never fill your heart with this business. It can hmm. nurture you in some sense. It can be a lot of fun. It can be thrilling. It is. But it is ultimately at its core hollow it is fool's gold. And if you try to fill your heart that way, it will not work. And the only way to fill your heart is with love of friends and family and having purpose in your life. And that's it. But this can be fun in the meantime.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what you said too, is really important. I think in context of who you surround yourself with in the process. So having managers, agents, people who want to let you pick things that work for you. You want to have a team with you who are on that same board of like, let's pick things that like light you up. Let's make it happy. Let's like pick things you want to do. Cause if not, then people are pushing you to pick things that you don't want to do, right. Or pushing you in a direction that's not who you are.
1: For sure. I I think that's incredibly important. Having a, a great team around you in in this business, especially, I mean, it's incalculable in value, although they'll take 10% Ten percent each, I think. Twenty percent total, twenty five percent. So be careful who you pick because you're paying them. I mean, I've got yeah. the greatest agent in the world, so I feel very, very lucky. I've never had a manager, but I, I hear tell some people get a lot of value out of them. But yeah, I think I think having a team that is aligned with what you want is incredibly important. But it's also important that if they're not, that you you know you don't stay in a bad marriage, right? You don't you don't you got you got to have people who are pulling the the cart in the same direction as, as you are, that see what you want. And then there's that other part, right? Which is, this is going to almost say the opposite thing, but there's also that thing of like, you want your representatives to know you well mm-hmm. enough to push you when you need to be pushed. Because sometimes you be like, I don't want to do that because this, 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 you know, and if you have the right person and they see it in a way that you might not, that it, it can also lead you down paths that you never have gone on that can open up all kinds of other stuff. So yeah. It's a tricky, tricky, tricky business, and uh yeah having good people in your corner is massively important,
0: yeah, and you seem to work with a lot of the same actors consistently, sure. Do you just like really like hanging out with your friends? Do you like, like making movies <laughs> with cool people? Like what what is it?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think like, I mean, you know, I mean, you know what it's like, like when you are working with a director for the first time, you know, it's really nerve wracking, right? Because you don't really know that person. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's not trust yet.
0: It's an eggshell walk first. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Right. Like you haven't worked with this director and she's asking you to do something that doesn't feel right. And you're like, yeah, you know, and you've never seen any of her work or the thing you did see was kind of shit, but you're here anyways. And you're like, <laughs> uh, right. So like all of that stuff. So that's why I think directors like to work with their troop if they can, because you've gone through it before. There's a shorthand, there's trust. Like when I work with Dwayne, like we've made three movies in a row. We're going to hopefully make many, many more. And he knows I'm not going to make him look like a fool. He like, even if he does something foolish and I say, Hey man, try it with, you know, a banana sticking out of your nose. And he's like, that's dumb, oh, but here we go. Let's try it. Cause he knows that, that footage will never be in the film unless it's fabulous, unless it works. <laughs> so once you have that kind of trust with an actor, then it opens up so many doors. Because it's not just one way. It's not just, hey, try it this way, try that. The actor can also say, look, I think I need to do this here. I think I should try that. And from my side, as a director, I don't think I've ever said no to an actor who had an idea of something they wanted to try. Why? Why would you ever do that? Like, it's free. You're here. You're all dressed up. Go for it. And if it's great, it'll be in. And if it's not, it's on the floor, and no, one it never existed. So if you can have that two-way street, it just makes it so much more interesting and so much more fun and easier. Anytime Gal calls me to do anything, I'll go. I'll, I'll come running. Kevin Hart, mm-hmm. same thing. Ryan Reynolds, same thing. And on and on and on. Like Ryan Hansen oh, is one of my favorite comedic actors he's so in the great. world. And yeah, man, I I go wash Ryan's car if he asks me. I, I love that guy, <laughs> but like I I'll just send him
0: this. <laughs> please don't.
1: Uh, but but yeah, yeah, like you know, yeah, it's, it's it's that rapport, it's that trust. It's like I'm not going to hang you out to dry, and and I think once an actor knows that then they're willing to to go places they might not otherwise. And there's gold there sometimes.
0: Yeah. How does an actor become a director's go-to? Like for my actors listening who are like, I'm not a big star, I'm not this, I'm not that. What are some through lines of working with quality people that you've seen that could make actors someone's person?
1: Wow. um, That is an excellent question. I think it's professionalism first and foremost, you know, professionalism, positivity and playfulness, I suppose, if I had to make it alliterative, but professionalism, meaning like you're there to work. You're on time. You're off book. And you're positive. So you're there when you're there. You have can-do attitude. It's like, hey, we're all in this ditch together. We're going to do this together. I'm here. I'm not going to bitch that it's hour 16 and you haven't turned around on me. I'm here to do it. I'm happy to be here. And then playfulness. Like when you're when you're working through the scene, you do it the way that we talked about it. And then what about this? What about that? What about the other thing? And that, and that sort of that triumvirate of, of peas, I suppose are incredibly valuable to a director because on the directing side, you're so pressed for time, right? The meter's running, you have 27 shots and you know, you only can get 21 of them and you're trying to figure it out and shit's going wrong. And what you need is somebody who can come in and fucking kill it. Like Eric Christian Olsen did a cameo in, in Ryan Hansen, All and he's a dear friend. And he comes in when oh, He's a super pro. Comes in and just crushes his stuff and rides off into the sunset. Jessica St. Clair was in the second season of mm-hmm. Brian Hansen, and she's just an absolute assassin, right? And they just you come in and they deliver, and it's easy, and there's no problems. It just takes that issue off off your plate. Chris Montopolis, who's in Red Notice, he is an amazing guy, and so positive, and focused, and mm-hmm. playful, and there, and present. So. So I think it starts with being a a positive element for the director. And that's both in front of the camera when it's your time. Like you can't be professional and punctual and pleasant and suck. Like that's not going to work. Don't get me wrong. Like it's, it's all fun and games, but like you have to be great. But if you can do that, I mean, your phone won't stop ringing. It just won't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One of the stories you told in your first podcast episode about like Will Poulter being on We're the Millers and just being just like taking oh, in yeah. every aspect of everything that was being thrown at him and just being an absolute professional. And how fun is it for you to watch someone that you really enjoyed working with career just like elevate? Oh, it's,
1: it's the greatest. It's the greatest. Cause you know, you're just, especially when they're good people, especially yeah. when they're genuinely good people. And Will Poulter is that he was raised right. And he's a wonderful, wonderful young man. And you just root for those people because they're not all that way. You know, <laughs> they're not all that way. And, uh, and so the good ones, you know, when you, when they find success, you're thrilled for them.
0: Of course. Yeah. You also talked about how much you disliked the audition process, which oh, it's terrible. I, we, we, yeah, it's terrible. How do you feel about it now that it's all self tapes?
1: Oh, I uh, love it. Love it so much more. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that Yes, because I'm able to see more than I than I would in person. And I'm able to see it in a way where I'm not exhausted by hour 17 of uh, day two of auditions where I can't even concentrate anymore. And I think like, obviously the Zoom life has changed a lot of things, but I think a, a self-tape is great, mm-hmm. right? And, and to me, a, self, a good self-tape is just about it opens the door to the conversation. And then you need to have the one-on-one conversation with that person, you know, via zoom just to see if there's a vibe there and see if, if you're talking about the same thing. Mm. But I think ultimately like auditions are, as we talked to think about last time, it's such an inexact instrument for what you're eventually being asked to do on a set. But the problem is we don't have a a better one. (laughs) You know, we don't have another one, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like nobody's, nobody's come up with a different way of doing it. But if I never had to go watch another audition in my life, I'd be thrilled if I could only cast off of previous work. Right. And a Mm -hmm. conversation, like I would do that all day long, all day long. And you'll miss, you know, you'll miss of course, but I think you'll have a better batting average than than the current system that we have. Although the, the only small, like tiny caveat I would have to that is there are times where you'll be in an audition room and an actor will come in and deliver a performance that you just can't believe. Like you can't believe what you just saw. And that's kind of thrilling. I mean, it's not as good as seeing it when you're actually shooting it, but it's 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 just the... The page, the words, the character, whatever, just kind of explode to life in front of you in a way that you hadn't seen and this before. And this tuning fork goes off in your in your gut, and you're just like, "Oh my god, who is that?" I felt that way when Will Poulter came in for for Millers. I was like, "I he looked nothing like the character in my mind that I had written or rewritten rather." And I was just like, "I don't that guy, that's the guy." Like I don't know what to say. Like that's the guy. And, and then I remember Jessica Chastain came in to audition. I made my second movie was a movie called The Mysteries Mm -hmm. of Pittsburgh based on a Michael Chabon novel. And she came in to audition and she read for a role and she was not right for it. But she was unbelievable. Like just Mm -hmm. blow your hair back. Unbelievable. And I said, thank you so much. And she she left and I turned to Deb Aquila, our casting director at the time. And I said, I don't really know who that is. But that that woman is going to win an Oscar like that. She's unbelievable. Whoever she is, and I was right. That's the that's the, right. that's the point of the story <laughs> is that I was right. But the, the 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 true point of the story is that, as we talked about last time, is just that the power of actors. You know, and what you guys are able to do. I could mm-hmm. never do what you do, ever, ever in a million years. And and it's it's amazing. The right lens and the right actor in the right moment. Just mm-hmm. it beats any monologue. To death, uh, Shakespeare or otherwise, it's just not close. I mean, it's true. It, it drives me crazy because I write them. I write the stuff, and and uh, and I can't. I can't outright your goddamn eyeballs. <laughs> and it just is. It just is. You know. And I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed, both with dramatic actors, but also comedic actors who just are in that yeah. in that moment and whatever they're able to do with their face, with their mind, like just being present and being naturally gifted and funny. It's just something else. So I just bow down to you guys.
0: Well, we'll take it. Thank you so much. You. <laughs> Speaking of like comedy versus drama as someone who writes so much comedy, do you watch a lot of comedy and are you looking, do you watch like for like, oh, this is such good writing or these actors are great or like, are you just enjoying content or do you just not absorb any? Cause you're so inundated by it all the time. <laughs>
1: No I watch everything I, it's harder for me when I'm shooting I really don't watch very much it's mostly news and sports because anytime I'm shooting and I try to watch a movie or a TV show all I'm doing is counting setups I'm like oh it's terrible we're looking at editing patterns or looking at things don't match it's just my can't it's sad but I can't right and then we I've got like I keep saying we have got uh-huh. three kids so my wife and I like by the time we get in bed we get the kids down we've got I, I don't know it. maybe an hour before we fall asleep on top of each other so we'll watch something together like and we and we mix it up you know i, I love documentaries but i love comedies and mm-hmm. and it just depends like a great half hour comedy you know when you're tired it's just like it's it's a joy like mythic quest the new season three is up i can't wait i love that show it's so good i just started watching industry i just finished the first season i'm watching the second season which is excellent i thought the bear was unreal this year Ugh. i don't know if you saw the bear it was just like a master
0: Yeah, absolutely. I consumed the
1: bear. Like a good so
0: good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's yeah, just like like Chef Kiss. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I just think there's so much out there that's that's excellent. I thought that House of the Dragon was unbelievable, like especially considering the high bar and the big target Mm -hmm. on their back. So I I watch I, I watch everything I can get my hands on. And you know, on the on the comedy side, you're always trying to keep your eyes and ears open for somebody that it's a hitter you're like, Oh, that part, I want to, you know, and and on the drama side, obviously, you know, that's just pure joy. I'm not doing, I don't do a a ton of drama. It's not really my thing. Like I really enjoy it, but for me, it's taken a long time in my life in my career to kind of come around to, accepting what my voice is or embracing it is probably better way of saying it you know I, I love magnolia but i could never write that movie I, I worship it but could never write it you know when i sit down at the at the keyboard to to write like the power of the dog does not come out of my fingertips you know uh, <laughs> the yeah, much, yeah, 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 much of my mother's dismay and yeah red notice comes out of my fingertips and and, and there you have it right and and you can fight that and uh, or you can embrace it and i've embraced it and i love those movies unabashedly i love writing them you know one of my dearest friends the godfather to my eldest child is one of the most successful romantic comedy screenwriters in town working right now and he writes all of his romantic comedies in a, a backwards a seattle washington Huskies cap and a big oversized sweatshirt like he's yeah. a dude right he's like a straight up guy and he so it's like i always liken it to if you ever watch any of those singing shows when the person walks up to the microphone you know they could be <laughs> the, the slightest little petite thing in this deep baritone comes out. You just don't know what someone's voice is until they open their mouth and and sing. And so it, it can be the package doesn't necessarily matter. And the sooner mm-hmm. you sort of um, not, you know, accept, but really embrace and honor your voice, I think uh, instead of fighting it or wishing you were somebody else or wishing you looked a different way or wishing you had this or that, had that or any of that stuff, I think the, the more joy you'll, you'll have in your life and certainly in your
0: work. Nah. I mean when you do your low budget period, that's when you can do your like tiny dramas. Like that's like don't worry about
1: Nobody it. that. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see There's people who do that too, who do that so well. And I, I don't think that's a club in my bag, but we'll see.
0: It's like the cold opening to one of your future movies. I can like for sure see it. It's like we're acting like it's a drama and then we take a turn and it's like a set
1: That's a good idea. I like that idea.
0: I want to ready I run a yeah. credit on none of you do it. <laughs> (laughs) Well, I'll round us out here because one of my favorite things that you said, like in a tiny bit in passing in your first podcast was that it's really all about three things, which is hard work, luck and talent. And then you can only can control one of those things and coming out of the pandemic and going into a brand new year. And so out of the things they can control and what actors can be doing, is there anything you want to add to that in that you've seen in the past couple of years and like hard work, luck and talent combining to help people out, to give them a new perspective, anything that comes to mind?
1: I mean, I think, I think that's the triumvirate of success that that I've found. I don't think there's anything new or different. I do think that, you know, obviously in the new year, uh, there's Mm -hmm. lots of fresh beginnings and people make lists and whatnot. And I think that's all well and good, but I guess I would say, you know, kind of going back to what we're talking about with health and fitness that there's really no substitute for hard work and there just isn't. And I think it's, it's about consistency over time. So having a consistent approach and a routine over time, uh, actually quality routine, healthy routine over time is everything And, and hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I think that, that part of it, I know it's not sexy. Nobody wants to hear it, but that's, that's it. That's it. That is, that is the whole thing is how consistent can you be? How hard are you willing to work? What are you willing to sacrifice? You know, I gave up donuts. I fucking love donuts, you know, <laughs> like, but I don't love donuts more than I love my kids. Right. So there we go. Yeah. I still eat donuts every once in a while, but that, that's, I think it. And, 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 and. You know, I'm not an actor, but I know how hard that job is, you know, from the outside or at least as much as you can, how full of rejection it is. And it's not easy by any stretch. And if you can do anything else, you probably should. (laughs) But if you, but if this is what you want, and this is the, this is the goal that you have, then you owe it to yourself to give, give it everything you have. And that, and and, and that means hard work over time, consistently, (laughs) consistently, consistently, and hard work pays off.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great message too, because some people get in the we get in the mindset of like, well, this year's the year, and it's like this is the year to keep going. Yeah, just like that, last year, yeah, and next year. Sam,
1: that's so perfect, right? Like, <laughs> like if you if you have if your thing is like this is the year it's going to happen for me, that is the wrong mindset. Like, this is not that. Oof. This is this is you're here to do it, and it's going to happen when it happens, or it's not what it's not. And and if you put that kind of limit on yourself, you're you're going to be sorely disappointed. That's not how this will work. So I think that's right. This is the year to keep going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, you keep going with all of the things you're working (laughs) on. Is there any direction you want to point people in anything that will be coming out, anything you want to like, put position
1: well let's see like i said i'm working on the sequels to red notice i just finished writing a pilot for dungeons and dragons it's gonna be so
0: th- cool right? by the
1: way thank you i'm very excited i played it as a kid so super excited so we're hopefully gonna be ramping that up next year it looks like we're just about to announce where we've landed with it it's very exciting and i'm working on a feature film called voltron based on an animated yes. series i left growing up and we're doing that at amazon that's a feature film and there's a you know a handful of other television and, and feature film things that are going on i'm gonna be very busy but i I guess i'm on twitter i'm at ross and thurber and on instagram i'm at ross and thurber i am off social media almost entirely so if you reach out to me there and i don't get back to you it's just because i check it very very sparingly and sporadically and randomly and i'll
0: get back to you if i can't but that's it great thank you so much for this this is awesome of course sam you're you're <laughs> the best you're the best